This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Earlier today in the legislature, Doug Ford, the premier, says it's embarrassing that the outburst by student protesters suggesting they kiss, or he kissed their derrieres, uh, so to speak, uh, was offside. Well, what are they protesting? What are they angry about? Let's find out. Merritt Stiles was in the legislature as well. She's the NDP's education critic and the MPP for Davenport and has joined us here in the Oakley Show. Merritt, it's good to have you back on board. How are things? Great. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, listen, so uh, it got rowdy in the legislature. What are these students' complaints about, essentially? Well, look, the, uh, the Ford government, uh, while we were not in the legislature, decided to introduce some changes uh, to the way students are going to be paying for, uh, for their tuition in universities and colleges. And it's really, uh, basically, uh, it's going to affect low-income and middle-income students the most by, by cutting grants and turning them into loans again and making loan support harder to get and also cranking up the interest that they're going to have to pay. And then the other thing they're really upset about is the fact that they're going to have to start paying those loans back immediately upon graduation, which means, you know, while they're busy studying for final exams and stuff, students are going to be really worried about uh, how they're going to be, what they're going to be doing immediately after and where they're going to get a job. So really they were uh, anxious to have free tuition and that was sort of taken from them because the Liberals under Kathleen Wynne had promised free tuition. So they were good with that. Well, I think, you know, it's arguable that it wasn't really free tuition at all. I mean, a lot of students still were paying quite a lot there. Um, but I think the problem with what the government's trying to get away with now is they're calling this a tuition cut, but really it, it, what they've done is converted everything in, back into loans again, and a lot of students, particularly those from low-income and middle-income families, are, are considering whether they can continue with their education. So it's a big hit for a lot of their, our students today. Well, I don't understand. The low-income and middle-income families, uh, weren't they uh, given uh, consideration under a certain threshold where they wouldn't have to be paying any more uh, on tuition? You know, it's a very it, it, it's very unclear, but at this point, it looks like it's going to be a big hit, mostly on those folks. I mean, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, they're going to have to pay every cent back. And, and so students, the only ones who really are going to get anything, any real benefit from the tuition cuts that the government announced are the folks who are paying uh, at the higher levels, like the folks who can afford to, for their parents to pay the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. And that's just, you know, not most students today. And of course, we also know that a lot of students are struggling with a lot of other issues, like, like housing and, and mental health issues. And this, this government has done nothing to support those students and their needs. Well, there was this campaign, as you well know, launched earlier today by the uh, Canadian Federation of Students, and uh, they say they're uh, launching this provincial campaign to fight for access to education and uh, the right to organize. The access to education, I guess, was the complaint you were just making, that uh, some students will feel that there's it's too onerous to have to pay for your own tuition or part of it, and therefore uh, that's going to, I guess... Uh, deter them from pursuing post-secondary education. What about the right to organize? What's that got to do with anything? Well, you know, I mean, I'll talk about that, but I do want to point out that in, in Ontario, we have the highest tuition rates 
of any province in the country. So, you know, what we are talking about when we talk about these loans is it's not like when I was back going to university a million years ago when you, you know, your tuition you'd finish and you might have some loans to pay back and it wasn't that difficult. You know, these days they're dealing with these enormous, enormous uh, uh, loans that they're going to have to pay back and it's it's an additional really big burden on our young people. But yeah, I mean, the student, uh, Doug Ford is basically attacking student unions. Um, He just doesn't want to see students be able to organize uh, against these cuts. And and that is, I think, what uh, CFS is organizing around today is to say, you know what, we're not going to be, we're not going to hide, we're not going to be uh, defeated by him, we're going to get out there and, and stand up for students. Well, what he's basically said is uh, he doesn't want to see students having to pay mandatory student union dues uh, because they may not support some of the initiatives that their student union does. And so uh, it would just be uh, a case of choice. Yeah, you know, Doug Ford wants everybody to think that student unions are all just a bunch of, it's all very political, but the truth is um, there's folks of lots of different ideological backgrounds who are involved with student unions, and student unions do a lot. Those fees pay for things like mental health support services uh, for students on campus. I think people are going to be really surprised at what how, how big the cuts are going to be to services that students depend on on campuses uh, because of this uh, this requirement now that, that they, people don't have to have it, uh, don't have to pay those union dues. You think they ought to be mandatory? Well, I think that it's worked out pretty well. I mean, we know that right now that's how that's how a lot of students get mental health support services, for example, on campus, is because they, they contribute to this. It's part of it's part of what students do and, and it also means that you have other students who are standing up for your rights um, on campus, which includes things like making sure that, you know, tuitions don't go up so high that, that people can't afford to go and get that post secondary education. Well, I guess the uh, impression by many, including Doug Ford, uh, I don't mean to speak in his absence, but the whole student union uh, cadre, uh, you know, across the province is highly politicized. And uh, I guess by taking away mandatory student union dues, uh, it may just uh, undermine the overt politicization of these bodies. Well, that's what he says, um, but I, I actually think that this has a lot more to do with undermining the ability of students to actually organize against um, these these rising costs. Um, so it's going to really undermine the ability of students to do that. I mean, students, you know, are, are, are like you and I. I mean, or maybe not like you and I so much, but they're they're out there. They're focused on their education. They're trying to get by and. Student unions, one of the things that they do is advocate for students to make sure that students do get um, get support on campus, that, you know, that the tuitions are kept more reasonable. I mean, this is this is who's organizing. And so, yeah, I bet Doug Ford is really worried about that. Um, and I think that's more than anything what this is about. Again, with Merritt Stiles, the NDP's education critic. On another note, uh, what's this about? Doug Ford's created a full-time job for uh, a candidate for the Tory party back. I guess uh, the candidate didn't win in Ottawa, Orleans, but uh, the uh, EQAO job. uh, This is, again, the uh, Education Quality and Accountability Office that holds these mandatory tests for grades 3, 6, and I'm I'm not sure if it's 9 as well. But anyway, the standardized tests throughout the province, the chair of this is going to earn $140,000 a year. Why is that an issue? Yeah, well, because the previous chairs of the EQAO of this board were actually given a per diem that amounted to generally about $5,000 a year. So we're talking about a massive pay increase uh, for a former conservative candidate. And 
believe me, we're seeing a lot of this. We're seeing a lot of uh, former candidates of the Conservative Party, failed candidates who are getting really plum positions here. But this one really stands out because we're talking about the difference between what was essentially a $5,000 a year gig and $140,000 a year. And, you know, this is a this is a very important uh, role, but I think a lot of folks are asking, why why the big pay increase? What exactly is this person going to do so different from anybody in the past? And I've even spoken to past chairs who, who said, I just can't imagine this is not a full-time, this is not a full-time position. There's a full-time CEO. Uh, there's lots of staff. That's not what this role is. Not to stray too far away from your purview, but Doug Ford did say the other day he'd be willing to fire the entire board of Hydro One uh, if they don't tamp down their uh, ardor for, uh, you know, excessive remuneration. I think he wants to cap it at $1.5 million, and uh, it seems like other members of the board and the directors are talking about something in excess of that. you got to favor Doug Ford for at least wanting to keep uh, compensation reasonable, no? Well, you know, uh, I guess, you know, you could you could say that. Yeah, I, I suppose, you know, keeping it down. But at the end of the day, um, you know, maybe we should go back to actually having our own, having uh, public hydro. Maybe we should be talking about that, you know. And he's, meanwhile, while he's making a big fuss about that, like I said, we've got all these other appointments that are being created, all these positions that are being created at much higher salaries than normal that are going to folks of his choosing. So I, I kind of question, you know, how much that really matters to Doug Ford. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, this is about about public dollars uh, being spent in a way that I, I think is 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 to you know reward Doug Ford's friends, and then when he gets when he can, he'll try to get a political hit out of occasionally asking people to pay their CEOs less. Yeah, and finally, uh, there was another story. I guess CTV News was claiming that uh, they got their hands onto uh, a proposal for the uh, reformation of the health care uh, with a new super agency that would be uh, tabled by their account anyway as early as tomorrow. And uh, they'd have to line up office space and uh, create directors and so on and so forth. Seems like a pretty aggressive timeline unless something's going on behind the scenes I don't know about. What do you hear? What do you know? Well, this is interesting because just a few weeks ago, right, the NDP and Andrea Horvath revealed some some documents as well that indicated that uh, the government was heading down this kind of mega, going to create this mega agency, this mega bureaucracy, and also open the door to more uh, for-profit healthcare providers. And and the Minister of Health, even today, and the Premier, all denying this is going to happen, and yet. Um, we know that every indication seems to be that there's actually something really big coming. So I, I, you got to wonder, you know, what, what kind of wool they're trying to pull over Ontarians' eyes here. Um, this is, uh, could result in massive changes. I mean, things like doing away with Cancer Care Ontario, which is something that has actually worked really, really well and that a lot of people depend on, and now taking things that work well and just throwing them out the window and creating this giant bureaucracy um, that's going to, again, open the door for private, more private for-profit healthcare provision. And, and I, 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 we, it's just very interesting that the government continues to deny that this is coming when, again, CTV and others are getting all kinds of leaks indicating it's happening any moment. All right. Well, the plan, according to this report anyway, would merge Cancer Care Ontario, eHealth, Trillium Gift of Life, and the LINS, the local health integration networks, a new super agency. Would you not at least agree there's got to be some reform in the system and uh, perhaps finding efficiencies by amalgamating these uh, different branches 
might just streamline things to the benefit of Ontarians. You know, we've seen um, other governments in other provinces, like in Alberta and in B.C., under the, under the Liberals in B.C., we've seen them try to do similar things, and it's been a disaster. Uh, you know, when you have something that works like Cancer Care Ontario, you know, stick with it. And I think at the end of the day, what we're really concerned about is, again, the lack of transparency here. Uh, this is all being done behind closed doors. They're continuing to deny it. Um, and really, Ontarians have a right to know what they have planned. Uh, again, a lot of the evidence from other provinces show this is not the right way to go. We know that Ontarians deserve better, uh, that we don't, we will need to get rid of hallway medicine. Um, but that's going to mean investing in health care. And, you know, we may need to change some things. But this idea of creating a giant bureaucracy sounds a lot like the wrong direction. All right. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, this report says it's going to happen as early as tomorrow, uh, which would surprise a lot of us, including yep. you, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> we'll wait and see. Uh, it might be an aggressive timeline. Thanks so much for your time, Merritt. Thank you. Merritt Stiles, the NDP's education critic, MPP for Davenport. Wow. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it's kind of interesting because they say there's going to be a, a new CEO of this agency and the board, and they're scheduled to be appointed February 20th. And the first board meeting set to happen within seven days. The super agency uh, is going to start negotiating with 20 different agencies to begin the transition and designate interim leadership in cases where CEOs depart of the different agencies that they're amalgamating. It's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, yeah, what time is it? Uh, let's find out if that's... And you see, uh, when it, if and when it doesn't happen, it discredits the entire report. So this is something that... Uh, Tomorrow is only five hours away. Yeah, exactly. They're scrambling for office space as we speak. Uh, calling up Hyde. You guys have like uh, 3,000 square feet we can move into. Uh, I don't know. When, when would you take occupation? I don't know. In an hour? How does that work for you? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.